When I was in high school, I had the opportunity and privilege to play high school basketball. And uh, I was thinking about it this week in regard to a variety of things. And I remember one time the coach called a timeout and we all gathered around and he said, Hey, what's going on? He said, You guys aren't playing like a team. You're hot dogging. You're showing off. You're making a mess of things. You forgot the game plan. Hey, let's pull together. Let's remember what we're doing out there, what we established as a plan. No more selfishness and no more hot-dogging. Let's get the job done if we want to win the game. As I thought about that this week, we're all kind of caught up in a competition if we mention that. And I wonder if sometimes, and if the last five weeks were God saying, time out, come on, let's pull together. Can't keep doing selfish things, hot-dogging, forgetting the game plan. Pull it together. Work together. Let's get the job done. And at the end, let's have more points on the scoreboard than the other team. I am finishing up a five-week series on, hey, what's going on? Let's pray together. Father, uh, we pray that you would... Enable us and shape us and form us to be who you want us to be in this day, this age, in these last days. That we, for whatever reason, in your sovereign grace, have called us to live at such a time as this. So help us, Lord, to pull together. Remember the game plan to work with each other. We already know the end of the game will mean that we have more points than the enemy, that you will sovereignly win and rule, and we just want to make sure that we're faithful to do our part. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever looked out over the world or the American culture and thought, hey, what's going on? And again, I don't want to be too political, but I'm going to be political. I did watch the debate the other day. I don't know how many of you had a chance to see that. And I thought, hey, what's going on? Change. Significant and major change is happening every day. It seems like change is rapidly taking us into a a direction that I'm not sure is what I would like, but change is happening. There is an answer to what's going on today. Did you know that? I believe that from a biblical perspective, we're living in the last days. I become more convinced of that day in and day out as I watch what's going on globally in America and the signs of the times that the Bible has expressed. The sign of the times reveal that we're in the fourth quarter of human history. Many prophetic uh, predictions seem to be converging and again rapidly being fulfilled, which should express to us that we are living in the last, last days. And if we're really living in the last days, 
What should we as Christians be aware of? How do we prepare? And what should we be doing? It's vitally important for Christians and the church today to understand that if we're living in the last days, you and I have a responsibility to see it, to understand, to prepare individually, to prepare as families, to prepare as a church, to prepare as a community, because we're going to really need each other. Each week I've uh, asked you if someone were to come to you, a friend, a family, a a neighbor, a co-worker, and ask you the question, are we living in the last days? What would you say? Would you be armed and equipped with enough information to at least begin to speak a little bit about that? We want to encourage you to either take or keep the last five weeks of bulletins, look over them a little bit. How many of you know that, uh, that in school... After they gave you information, you needed to keep it and study it because there was a test coming and you'd need to know a little of that information. I invite you to take those bulletins and and look over them and and prepare a little bit. If you haven't been here for one or more of those, go ahead. And we have a connections table out in the hallway. And look, there's a place where you could sign up for a CD so that you can listen to it in your car or at home. Again, you got to get it in you. Because at those moments, if you haven't thought about it, you haven't looked over the bulletin, or you haven't listened to a tape, or you don't know what you're talking about, when somebody asks you, you're going to be ill-equipped. And we really can't afford to be ill-equipped as Christians and as the church in such important times. So I've mentioned to you that the last message, which is today, that I'll talk to you a little bit of how to be prepared or get prepared in the last days. And as I've searched the scriptures and thinking about that, there's many places where it says, be watchful, be sober, be awake, be alert, pray, don't be deceived, stay focused, unify, become equipped, humble yourself. And so instead of doing all kinds of uh, back and forth in the scriptures and what all that says, and I believe all of that, I'm going to take you to one passage that I believe really does give us the essence and the principles that we need to prepare in these last days. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it to Hebrews chapter 12. You'll see it in your bulletin. It says chapter 11 because that's the information that I gave to my wife. And so she got it done. And so when I started to study early yesterday morning, I went, oh, I gave her the wrong verse. I know where it was, and so it is Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to go there in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then today I want to share with you seven things that I believe that you can do and participate in and to prepare for the last days. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross." despising the shame, 
and have sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. If we truly are living in the last days and they're fast approaching and it is a cosmic battle and we're seeing all kinds of activities converge in that regard and you and I as Christians and as a individual local church in a city, what are we to be doing? How do we prepare? I think it's found right there in Hebrew chapter 12. I see seven things that I would like to highlight for you. First, awareness. Awareness. Do you see that in Hebrews 12.1? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The Bible says that in the last days, in the last days, we need to be very aware of something. What is it? You and I are and will be surrounded by a lot of people who are watching us. The Bible says in the last days there will be perilous times, challenging times, difficult times, overwhelming times. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like or or what's going to happen, but let me give you a quick little scenario. What if uh, our computer system for whatever reason, got shut down, and you had no access to your bank account. We're coming to your house? Is that what you said? Yeah. What if, for some reason, the transportation system shut down and there was no food at the grocery store? And I could go on and on, and I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I'm saying at that particular time, people are going to be looking for somebody who has an answer. And I really believe that there may be a day coming in the last days that only those that are truly on fire and connected with Jesus Christ and that supernatural realm and supernatural provisions and those that have prepared, we are going to be looked at and look to as an example to be a witness. If we are going to respond like everybody else responds, we lose our opportunity. The spotlight, if we're living in the last days, is about to shine on you. When I get up here, these particular lights illuminate who I am. I mean, if I'm out there or down somewhere and it's not shining on me, I can be a little more obscure, but when I'm up here, that light is shining right on me and everything that I say and everything I do and all the hair that I've lost can be clearly seen. If we're living in the last days, and I believe we are, this scripture says you need to be aware that the spotlight is coming to you. If you are a Christian and you belong to a local church and you are connected to the provision maker, the, the uh, miracle worker, Jesus Christ himself, they're going to be watching you. Now, you know that I prepare to come up here. I try to wear something that's appealing and, and uh, makes me look very, very... Matter of fact, today when Brad gave me the uh, little microphone and it was on, he said, you're hot. He meant the mic was, microphone was on, but I took it another way. 
my mom just made me hot. Okay, I was thinking about high school. I was just hot. You know, what can you say? You've got to prepare because what you say and what you do and how you look, everybody can see everything. I won't mention it, but I don't know if you saw in the debate the other night. Somebody must have been chewing a little bit of a mint. I don't know if you saw that. And there, right there, the whole camera. And that's all I could focus on. I forgot what he was saying because the mint or whatever was right there. And then finally I thought, oh, gosh, if he only knew. And then pretty soon. When you're up front and in the spotlight, they see everything. They listen to everything. They can realize when you say a wrong thing or a wrong date or your hair's out of place or whatever it might be. But you know what? You need to be aware. If we're living in the last days, it says we're going to be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, people that are hurting and broken and lost and overwhelmed and whatever's going on in their world, they're going to be looking to you. They're going to be looking to me. They're going to be looking to us like they never have been in a long time. They're not looking at us right now because everything's fairly comfortable in America. But when things begin to erode and implode and difficulty and challenges, they're going to look to Christians. They're going to look to the church, and we need to be aware. We need to be preparing now. If we're not being a positive witness when the times are easy, are we going to be a positive witness when things get difficult? This is the time to focus on getting healthy and getting strong with Jesus and growing in our faith and growing together so when those hard times come, they'll be able to look to us and at us and we'll be able to be a good witness. We need to be aware of this reality that's coming. Number two, repentance. Do you see that? Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us or ensnares us. How many of you have ever struggled with sin or sins? <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Uh, maybe. I don't want anybody really to know. If you can't answer in the affirmative, I'm going to have to question your truthfulness. Or I have to question your understanding of yourself or your understanding of sin. We all have. We all are. And it's too bad, but we all will. So let me ask the question again and rewind. How many of you have ever struggled with sin or sins? Mike Ramsey's the only honest one. He went, two hands and one feet. So you know what I'm talking about. You and I are human. We are in the battle and we fall prey to the temptations of the enemy or our own carnal nature. And we sin. And in that, I don't know about you, but you know what usually follows sin? Guilt. Shame. Failure. Self-condemnation. I was thinking about this when I was a new Christian back in the late 70s and I remember, uh, I don't remember exactly what sin or sins I had committed, but I, I remember that I was so upset at myself, so angry at myself. I said, I hate myself. Now, right then, and I don't remember God doing it quite so much. I mean, I felt like he was in the room and he said, stop that. I love you. 
See, self-condemnation comes with sin. So does guilt and shame and failure. And when the Bible, if we're going to be prepared in the last days, we not only need to be aware that we're going to be witnesses, the spotlight's going to be on us, but we're going to have to repent of our sin. To lay aside, it says, what does it say? Lay aside every weight. You know some of the weight that, that we carry around as human beings? Guilt. Maybe from a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Maybe what happened when you were in high school or elementary school. Something you did. We carry the weight of guilt or shame or failure or self-condemnation. If you're going to prepare for the last days, we've got to get rid of that stuff. Because if you carry the guilt and the shame and the failure and the self-condemnation, you're basically saying to Jesus, what you did at the cross isn't good enough. Right? And so we've got to get rid of the, the weight that comes with that. And as we enter into the last days, we're going to have to prioritize holy life again. Pure life. Righteousness. You know, for centuries and centuries and centuries, one of the main topics that the Christian church has addressed, hopefully not in a negative way, is the whole subject of repentance. Repentance from sin. You and I live in a a generation that somehow has disregarded that or deprioritized that. A spirit of compromise has invaded the church, and very seldom do you hear it preached, and nobody wants to go to a church that's talking about it. Please don't talk to me about sin. Many of you know I did something crazy at Christmas Eve here. Uh, we talked about sin on Christmas Eve. You know, the stage was set. You know, the backdrop. We're all excited about Christmas Eve, singing Christmas carols. And the stinking pastor talks about sin. Gosh, how antisocial is that what a mistake except what i try to say to you is christmas eve is about god so loved the world that he sent his son and his son said he will deliver his people from their sins you see what i'm saying we culturally sometimes have set aside what the bible says so that we feel more comfortable if we're going to prepare for the last days we have to be aware the spotlight's coming to you If you stayed in the shadow as a Christian in the last days, as things get more difficult, you won't be in the shadows anymore. You'll be in the spotlight. And people are going to come to you and say, man, what do you have? And how do I get through this? And how can you be so peaceful and calm? And how are you finding these supernatural provisions? Give me an answer. So we need to be aware and in preparation. We need to repent. We need to get rid of the guilt and the shame and the failure and the self-condemnation and those sins that so easily entangle us and beset us. And we do that by repentance. The third thing we need to do is have endurance. Do you see it there? Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that's set before us. In the last days, endurance will be a most important characteristic attribute and quality. To endure means to continue in the same condition through pain or suffering. How many of you know when life is going well, you act a certain way? 
And how many of you know that all of a sudden when pain and difficulty and heartache and challenging suffering, that we can change? We go from happy and content to impatient and angry. In a sense, we're not enduring what's coming. And in the last days, Christians are going to need to endure. We're going to need to be able to continue to be positive and not fall prey to our humanity in those times. It also means to proceed ahead despite hardships and challenges. In the last days, it's going to get more difficult. And will we be able to endure? In the last days, when these difficult and challenging times come, it will be very easy to give up, to give in, and to throw in the towel. What do you mean, God? Why are you letting me, or why are you letting us, and why is this happening? And many will get resentful against God. Many will shake their fist at God that at a previous time things were fine because their life was going pretty good. But when life can be very difficult and challenging, sometimes our endurance will be challenged. And many will throw in the towel. The Bible says that many will throw in the towel. But the Bible says he who endures till the end shall be saved. He who endures till the end shall be rewarded. Endurance is going to be incredibly important for the individual Christian and for the local church to get through the difficulty of the end days. This is the time to grow healthy and strong so that we can endure. Four, we're going to need perspective. Do you see it there? To run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're going to need perspective. In the end days and as they continue to occur and change happens and many things that we don't like, we are going to have a choice on what we focus on. We can focus on the negative. We could focus on the hard time. We could focus on the betrayals. We could focus on the debate. We could focus on the, the president. We could focus on what's going on in Washington. We could focus on all of these negative things. But we as Christians, if we're going to be ready, we need to have the perspective to focus on Jesus. I know I've been in church a long time, and whenever I've heard that sometimes, it's like, okay, I know that. Come on, go on and on. Do we need to go beyond that? Why do we think we need to go beyond He who is the author, he who is the light of the world, he who has the answers, he who is our friend, he who is the Savior. Because I can tell you, you're either going to focus on the negative or you can focus on Jesus. And you'll have a choice and I'll have a choice and we'll have a choice. And I think in the last days, it'll be very tempting for us to look at all the negative and all the challenging, and all the hard, and all the disruptive things. And it's at that time we want to focus on Jesus. We need to have the right perspective. Do you see what it says there? That Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that we'll need to look to. I'll want to look to you. You'll want to look to me. We'll want to look to the other. We'll want to look to Washington. We'll want to look. Hey, when the, when the end times come down the pike, 
I hope you're looking at Jesus. Because he's the only one that could really guide us through those difficult times. How about consideration? We're going to need consideration in those times as well. It says there, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, listen, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How many of you will admit and agree with me that Jesus and the disciples had a pretty difficult earthly life? Think about it for a moment. And When you read the Bible, when you hear the stories, Jesus and the disciples had a difficult life. They suffered a great deal for the cause of God's eternal plan and purposes. And in the last days, we need to consider that our current comforts and conveniences and contentment and earthly happiness may not be God's top priority for us. You know, living and growing up in the West has tried to redefine the essence of real Christianity. Did you know that? Growing up in prosperous America, we have heard that God wants to make your life good. God wants to make your life happy. God wants you to be well and in good health. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants your life to be on top. If you pull back and you take a look at how in America, in the West, we've characterized Christianity, and over here we take a look at what the Bible says and and how Jesus and the disciples lived, there's a stark contrast. And so many of us have not seen beyond that. For the joy set before him, he didn't look at the cross. He didn't look at his earthly life. When the times get difficult and we're in the last days and there's challenges of all kinds and perilous times will come, we need to consider we're not living for here and now. That's hard for me at my age. 42, thank you. I'm kind of trying to prepare for retirement. I don't know what that means and I don't know what that will look like. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what if God's plan is, hey, you're not going to have such this amount of money in the bank. I'm going to have you continue to work and work and be involved and be invested and be a light and be a witness and share with others and sacrifice and lay down your life. That's hard for me because I've grown up in the West. I deserve a good retirement. But if we're truly in the last days and they keep fast approaching a lot of changes, what I want out of my future and out of my retirement, I may have to sacrifice. I may have to lay down. I don't like that. But I've been so influenced by American Christianity that I still have to be looking to and inspired by biblical Christianity and the lifestyle that Jesus and the disciples lived. There's probably not a man or woman in here would love to just give up everything for the sake of the kingdom. We've been so trained by our comforts and our conveniences and our prosperity. But in the last days, we're going to need a lot of consideration. 
Number six, determination. Do you see it there? For the joy that was set before, uh, endured, he endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged. We're going to need determination in the last days. Have you ever been determined to do anything? Think about it. Have you ever been determined not to do something? See, determination is an important quality, especially it will be in the last days. To be determined. Like I said, in the last days, it'll be easy to give up, give in, and to throw in the towel. Because of the difficult challenges, the possible pain and loss and and uh, uh, taking away of all the comforts and convenience or some of them that we're used to, people will grow very weary and discouraged. They'll grow weary and discouraged in regard to God. God, why? Why is this going on? Why, why are you taking away my conveniences and, and my plans for retirement and all the other things? God, you get weary and discouraged in regard to God. You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been discouraged with God? Have you ever been weary in regard to God? Maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but I have at various times when the chips were down and it was hard. And I said, God, you know, I gave up my hopes and dreams for my life and my thoughts of a career and and certain kinds of ideas of income that I could make so that I could serve you and go wherever you wanted me to go and do whatever you wanted me to do. And look, it seems like it's caused more challenges and more problems for me and my family. God, I'm just pretty discouraged in this deal I got with you. I'm pretty weary in you not giving me everything that I think I deserve or that I want. Well, in the last days, I think that will be intensified. And we're going to need to be determined to not grow weary with God or with others or even with ourselves. I think we're going to need to be determined to not get discouraged. I think we're going to need each other to go, man... I can see you're pretty discouraged, pretty weary. Come on, how can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? My friend, if I could say this to you, because I think the last days are already here, so this is not something that I'm talking about in the future. I, I believe that many in the, in the faith are weary today and discouraged in their own personal relationship with Christ, with what's going on in our country, what's going on in, in the body of Christ, what's going on in their church or with their pastor. I want to say to you, the Bible says you've got to be determined to not grow weary. You've got to be determined to not be discouraged. And last but not least, and I'm going to have the band come back. We need to participate. I believe in the last days God will give individual local churches a specific assignment and responsibility to fulfill... So that they can partner with other churches in God's plan and His activities. For Connection Church this year, the, the vision, the responsibility, the assignment God has given us is to grow and to go. To grow up spiritually. To grow together relationally. To grow out there so we'll grow numerically. 
And then what? To go to each other. Again, you've heard me say this. I'm not the only one in the church that's supposed to know everybody's name. I'm not the only one in the church that's supposed to know other people's story. I'm not the only one in the church is to lay hands and pray for people. I'm not the only one that's supposed to write a note of encouragement. We have a responsibility together to get to know each other, to love each other, to be praying for each other, to know each other's story, to serve one another, to reach out to one another, to give to one another. And then we're to go to them. I read a statistic this week that 260 million people in America claim they don't know Christ. 260 million. That's a lot of people. I met with a church planter. Please, band, come on up here. We've got to close. I met with a church planter this week that uh, is uh, starting a church, River, uh, River City Church, a guy named Joe Reed. They're here from Memphis, Tennessee, a, a team of people. I really enjoyed meeting him. And all the statistics that they've recently done, and this was true about eight or nine years ago when I saw, so we really haven't made much improvement. How many of you know in the city of Fort Collins, eight to ten percent of people claim that they go to church regularly eight to ten percent you know what we're known for a lot of things being really on top in regard to uh, america place to live place to retire did you know that's on the top of the statistics in america we are with one of the lowest church attending areas in the whole united states the town that you and i live in Isn't that startling? Do you want to be on top for that? Is that what we want to be known for? We're the choice city. Come to our place because only 8 or 10% of the people go to church. Yay! My heart broke. But guess what? It's not me passing out the Easter flyers alone. It's all of us realizing that we can participate in the vision God's given us this year to grow and to go. So today, I've given you seven real, I think, specific, clear things that you can do individually. Do as a couple. Do as a family. We can do as a church to prepare for the last days. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, and we're going to close our service. This is the closing song. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you sing. This is just something I think God wants you to know and embrace as we further head into the end times.
no matter what you will face, no matter what we will face, as a family, as a church, as a nation, don't ever forget God's promises. You will never be alone. He will always be faithful. He'll always go before you and be behind you and encircle you. You will never be alone. Isn't that a great promise as we head into and further advance in the last days? God go with you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he give you peace. Don't forget, next Sunday we'll have our friend Chaz Miles back to lead worship. Should be a fun, encouraging, exciting Sunday. Come, invite a friend, pass out a card. Let's continue to move forward. God bless you. Love you. Have a great day.